Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thank you so much for being here with us. And today we have Deepesh as our guest. We have the honor to have him to tell us a little bit more about his journey through the GMAT and GRE. So first of all, thank you so much, Deepesh. Glad to have you here. Yeah. I'm glad to be here and I'm excited to share my journey and my transition from GMAT to GRE. Amazing. I bet that will be very helpful to everyone. So if you would like to make a brief intro about yourself, Deepesh, just so people know a little bit more about you, where you're from, like where you are right now in your application journey and these, uh, some of these aspects. Sure, sure. So my name is Dipesh. Um, I'm basically from India, but I've been living and working in Germany for the past like two years or so now. And I'm a data professional. I've been working in the data function, data and analytics function for the last six years. I started to think and contemplate GMAT and GRE uh, like around a couple of years back, but then COVID hit. I got occupied with my work and I just put a full stop to my preparation back in like uh, 2020 or so. And then I resumed my preparation last year. And after that, uh, after an, a couple of unsuccessful attempts, I must add that. I finally got my target score and now I applied to a couple of schools in round one and I'm looking forward to apply to a couple more in the round two. Congrats. That's amazing. Really rooting for you. And something that would be very nice for us to, to get you is, so when and why, Dipesh, did you decide starting to apply? to the GMAT and the, the GRE. So when did you make this decision of applying? You already had in mind which schools you would like to go. You were already wondering if MBA would be a good option. What took you to take those tests for a start? Sure. So, well, basically, I would say that uh, ever since I was in college, I was... Uh, I, I decided that I have to go for an advanced degree. I was not sure of the degree that I wanted to pursue back then. I was a little bit inclined towards MBA, but I was not completely sure if that was the right move at that particular time. So in 2016, when I was still in college, I gave my first attempt to GRE and I scored around 315 back then. Uh, and I thought that I, I, I mean, I had a mind to apply to a couple of MS programs back then, but then I decided to go against that and I was like, okay, let me just explore uh, working for a couple of years and then get into the master's program. So after a couple of years, I was, I decided that I have to pursue a degree in management because I enjoyed working uh, in teams and I enjoyed the leadership role that I was playing that, that time. And that was uh, during the first few years of my work life. Uh, that I decided I have to go and pursue an MBA. That time I was like, uh, yes, let me get an experience of five years. I looked at the profile, class profiles of top business schools, and I realized that the average work experience is around four years. So I thought that, uh, I, I, and I had really awesome opportunities at work back then. I thought that I'll just continue working for a couple of years, around five years or so, and then I'll go for an MBA. And uh, I knew that I'll have to get an, uh, like a score for GMAT or GRE well in advance. So I started my first preparation, like I started the first time 
sometime in 2020, I would say. But uh, then COVID uh, struck and then uh, I was a little bit more occupied in the work. So I could not dedicate time. So I had purchased the official guide for GMAT. I had uh, purchased some content for GRE as well. But unfortunately, I could not proceed further with my preparation back then. So it was last year. Uh, I participated in one competition and it has it was organized by one of the leading business schools and I was uh, offered a conditional uh, admission to that particular business school based on uh, that competition and for that I had to submit a GRE or GMAT score. So I explored my option of writing GRE or GMAT. I had already written GRE and I realized and I got to know that GMAT actually uh, gets you a better scholarship which I would say is a myth. So I prepared for GMAT after a couple of failed attempts. I then moved to GRE uh, earlier this year, and then I wrote my final examination in August, just a couple of weeks before the uh, deadline for round one applications. No, that's that's an amazing path that you you went through. <laughs> and if anyone has questions to Dipesh, please feel free to post on the comments. Then we can ask him here, take this this opportunity. And there is something very interesting that you mentioned about the the GMAT versus GRE, that many people end up taking the GMAT like various times because they think it will look better in the eyes of admissions committees. But yeah. then you felt that this was really a miss, that there was no reason for you to keep doing the GMAT, right? Yes. Exactly. I would say the same thing. Like, uh, I uh, actually appeared for, like, I, I gave GMAT like four times and I'd already booked my fifth attempt as well. But before that, I got my GRE score. So I just skipped my fifth attempt. <laughs> and yeah. when was really the moment that you, uh, I know that you mentioned it briefly, but that you made the decision, what exactly took you to make this decision. No, I'm done with the GMAT and now I am going to do the jury and the score that I get there, it's going to be the one I apply with. So basically what happened was I uh, applied, like I appeared for first, uh, I, I took my first attempt at GMAT in August uh, last year and I scored 680. My score was not bad. Quant was 47 uh, and verbal was 36. And I was like, okay, this was my first attempt and I had prepared for just like five weeks. And even during these five weeks, I was moving apartments and uh, uh, I, I was also having some medical conditions. So I had to pop pills during my uh, examination. So I sort of had this vanity that, okay, in the first attempt, I got 680. So after when I'm uh, physically better, then I can definitely score 750 or even more than that. So after my surgery in September last year, I gave a couple of months, uh, not a couple of months, actually, I started to prepare somewhere uh, in the last week of uh, October, first week of November. And then again, I prepared for around seven, eight weeks and I gave my second attempt uh, at GMAT in December. And this time when I saw my score, like this time I didn't leave any, uh, any stone unturned. I prepared for quad, I, I prepared for verbal. I was uh, like well prepared for the other section as well. But the thing was, I realized that 
and it was after the exam that I realized that uh, knowledge is not there, not, not everything. I was scoring 730, 750 in my official mock examination. And when I took my final attempt, the second attempt at GMAT, I, I ended up scoring 650. My first section that I uh, attempted was quant. And after that, I, uh, I I was kind of like my brain completely got fogged. And I was like, I messed up big time with my uh, GMAT attempt. And uh, that particular feeling, you know, carried forward in my next section as well. And I didn't perform well at all uh, in the verbal section. And then I just ended up uh, scoring 650. But when I got my final result, I realized that it was uh, quant 50. Uh, IR, I scored 8 on it. Eva, I scored 6 on 6. But in verbal, it was just 28. I realized that it was just the mental... I, I would say that I was not in the mentally calm state, which basically dragged my verbal, uh, pulled my verbal score down to 28, which is uh, which was even uh, lower than my first verbal score of 36. So this was a setback for me. And I was like, okay, this is not how it should be. I need to prepare like mentally as well. I need to have a better state of mind. I need to have better clarity regarding the exam and everything like that. So after the setback, I took like three weeks, three months of uh, time off. And during this time I was traveling to India. I traveled to a couple of cities. I met a lot of my friends and family members. And uh, during this time, I did not prepare for any either of these exams, but uh, I was like, okay, trying to explore like GMAT and GRE. During this time, actually, I was also speaking with a lot of current students and uh, alumni. So one of the current students of uh, one of my target schools, he mentioned that uh, he switched from GMAT to GRE and ended up uh, getting like a competitive score in GRE. So that particular experience and conversation with him made me realize that uh, like it's it's not just that I have uh, given a lot of time and effort to GMAT, so I should hang up on that. I realized that uh, I need to move over that and maybe I'll just, uh, I need to just go for the option that suits best for me. So I started exploring GRE as well. So Parallelly, I was exploring GRE and I was trying to work on my GMAT score as well. And I started my GMAT and GRE preparation again in uh, April. So in April, May and some uh, like half of June, I was preparing. I was giving, let's say, 90% to GMAT and 10% to GRE. And for GRE, I was focusing mainly on the vocabulary part because that that's something which I got to know and which I've learned along the way that for GRE vocabulary is really really important. <clears throat> so when I attempted my third uh, GMAT exam in June, I ended up scoring seven hundred and ten. And again, though I was not very disheartened by this score, I realized that this is not a score that would get me into my target school. So I was uh, like, I, at this moment, I was like, okay, you know what? You need to re-strategize the way you are preparing for the exams. And uh, after this time, I hired a personal tutor for my GMAT. But at the same time, I was giving 50% to GMAT and 50% to the GRE. I started working uh, on GRE as well. I started solving questions. And to be very honest, I didn't solve a lot of uh, quant questions because uh, I 
always scored like 49, 50, 51, uh, even 51 on the mock examination for the uh, GMAT. I was like, quant, I'm pretty much set. I need to work on my verbal. So I started exploring YouTube videos and uh, I for the GRE. And uh, I realized that uh, I need to work more on my verbal. So I started dedicating time to that. And at the same time, I hired a personal tutor. And that personal tutor helped me identify my weak areas. So I must mention one thing, like in my G, like mock attempts for the GMAT and even in the final attempt, my uh, like sentence correction and critical reasoning sections were strong. I scored more than 90 percentile in both of these sections individually. Reading comprehension was a struggle for me. So when I hired this personal tutor, I worked with him on my reading comprehension comprehension and we work together to improve my reading comprehension skills as i mentioned i was not giving a lot of time to uh, reading comprehension and gmat in together like uh, i was not giving or uh, dedicated time to gmat that much i uh, and around the same time, GMAC offered 25% discount on their uh, GMAT test. So I was like, okay, let me just book this and see how I score. So I did that and I ended up scoring 690. So quant was like, this time quant was a little less, but verbal was a little bit higher. And I canceled that score. So after that, I worked only on GRE. And then I booked my GRE and GMAT in a cap of like one week, I would say. I booked for my GRE for the uh, mid of August and uh, GMAT for the end of August. And I attempted my GRE, I scored well on GRE and then I skipped my fifth attempt at GMAT. Well, I'm so glad to hear that and that you went through all of that and managed to be really successful at the end of the journey. And congrats once again, Gupesh. And <laughs> something that resonated a lot with me was, as you said, that it's not all about the knowledge you have going into the GMAT because I do remember I took it what only two years ago that it was exactly the same I scored much higher on the official mock tests then I went yeah. like very confident into the real ones the result would come and I would say what but <laughs> I just hit like a much higher score on the official mock test so why is that happening so Definitely know the feeling. And there is yeah. one question here. Thank you for everyone sending questions. One question, Dipesh, by Nagarjuna, uh, asking you how easy was it to transition from the GMAT to the GRE? I know you talked um, some stuff about it already, but how easy would you say it was? Because I know you kept studying for both. So... For people who might want to do it as well, not only how easy it might be, but what would be your main advice for them? All right. So that's a good question. I would say that uh, when I was preparing for both the exams in parallel, I had zero social life. I completely disconnected myself from the rest of the world. I was dedicating like five to six hours every day and on weekends even more than that. And it was because I was not, uh, you know, in that particular phase of my life mentally where I could afford to have a social life along with that. I was very anxious. I used to feel like I need to excel in at least one of the exams. So I would say that the transition from GMAT to GRE was definitely not easy. Uh, but the things that helped me was... Uh, Basically, the first thing that helped me uh, transition from GMAT to GRE was 
letting go of my gmat like uh the affection for gmat so i had already invested a lot of months in gmat and i had prepared uh like holistically for gmat so letting go of that particular feeling was one thing the second thing that helped me was basically my experience in 2016 when i scored 315 on gre so i already had uh, an idea of what the exam tests and how are the like what are the vocabulary uh, what are, what is the vocabulary bank that i have to refer to and uh, you know just mug those up and the third thing is i made a mistake while preparing for gmat which was well i made a lot of mistakes while preparing for gmat but one thing that i did not want to carry forward to gre was basically referring thousand different resources for the gmat i was uh, like blindly following any content that came my way there there are thousands of notes posted by people on different forums i was referring to all of those uh, like notes i enrolled for multiple uh, like gmat test preparation companies i was referring to the books as well i purchased for the rcncr i purchased the bible i purchased uh, the manhattan strategy guides i also enrolled for online learning platforms and then i realized that this was a big mistake that i was all of these things were not leading me to the same direction so i was like okay no for gre i need to uh, have just one source of truth and just follow that blindly so i would say these were the things that helped me transition smoothly from gmat to gre No, that's great advice. And would you say that the idea for people transitioning is so to keep doing some preparation for the GMAT while you're starting to prepare for the jury, or when you decided just drop the GMAT fully and go full swing into the jury? Well, I would say there are multiple components to that. The first one would be uh, to understand where in your preparation journey you are. Like if you have, if you are scoring six hundred fifty or six hundred seventy, but your target score is seven hundred twenty or seven hundred thirty, and you have ample amount of time in your hands, then you can completely let go of GMAT and then switch to the GRE. If not, then I would say that uh, you'll have to take a calculated risk and see whether, uh, like, pre pre preparing for both the examination makes sense to you. And if that does, you'll have to go for both of those. I want to make uh, one point here, though. Uh, like, uh, one thing which really helped me, apart from the three things that I mentioned earlier, is also the preparation for GMAT. Like, uh, there are a lot of things. Like, okay, obviously. this uh, vocabulary thing is completely different in gre we do not have that strong vocabulary requirement in gmat uh, but other than that there are a lot of learnings that can be carried forward from uh, gmat to gre like for example uh, one thing which really helped me was egmat's uh, master comprehension module uh, that helped me look at the uh, sentences and understand it in a better way and similarly my personal tutor also helped me to uh, understand the what question is asking so instead of uh, you know completely switching from gmat to gre i transitioned like slowly made that gradual transition and that particular uh, learnings from the gmat carried forward to the gre preparation the reading comprehension is not as difficult as uh, what we have in gmat uh, reading comprehension in uh, gre is basically combination of reading comprehension uh and critical reasoning from the gmat so and i was uh, really good at G 
GMAT CR. So that really helped me. The sentence correction was really good because I was able to understand sentences clearly. So that uh, again helped me understand the text completion, uh, sentence equivalence uh, questions in the GRE. And quant, whatever I studied for quant in GMAT actually helped me uh, like my GRE quant. I wanted to mention one thing. In fact, I in the GRE, I scored 170 on quant. And uh, to be honest, I would say that my preparation, I would give complete uh, like credit for this 170 score to my preparation uh, for GMAT because the GMAT uh, prepares you very, very rigorously for the quant section. So I was scoring 49, 50, 51, even in my mocks and in my actual examination, <coughs> I went as high as 50. So I had quite a lot of uh, learning from GMAT over there and that transition from uh, GMAT to GRE and helped me score 170. Got it. Perfect. And there is something really interesting that you mentioned and that many people end up falling for this trap of the emotional attachment when you feel that you have invested so much time already and resources on the GMAT. So many times you fail to transition because of this attachment when the transition would actually help you like it did for you. So you clearly made a great decision. And before going to the next question, just... A quick reminder for everyone to like our video, to subscribe to our channel, and it really helps us. And also to sign up for MBA Spotlight, which we have coming up with lots of great schools. So be sure to do it, to be there. And for the next question, uh, Deepesh uh, Shubankar asked, I heard that for the MBA program, GRE is not accepted for placements by top companies. Uh, would you have any comments regarding that? Sure. So actually, that was one of the reasons why my first choice initially was GMAT. Uh, and I was speaking with a lot of people about the same question, because when I was switching from GMAT to GRE, this was one of the questions that I had as well. And I tried to look for some posts by people on GMAT Club where people uh, actually uh, gave their experience of transitioning from GMAT to GRE and how that they actually fared in play like MBA placements. And I also spoke with a couple of people uh, and the, like the current students in the colleges that I was targeting. What I realized was the person that I spoke with uh, was transitioning into uh, investment banking with a GRE score. So he mentioned that uh, though people in consulting might want you to have a high GMAT score, it's not mandatory. It basically, <coughs> excuse me, it basically just uh, uh, like a kind of a preference, I would say, these days. And now that business schools are, uh, are accepting GRE like wholeheartedly, placement uh, companies, especially the consulting ones, they are also uh, regarding GRE as well, like as the uh, test, uh, very test is called. No, that's uh, that's completely right, and I can even comment on that. Uh, I'm a second year here at UVA Darden, and definitely I ended up taking the GMAT because my whole preparation was for the GMAT. But many friends that I have around here took the GRE, and the same way, be it for like you said, depression investment banking, be it for consulting, any consulting company for tech, they had no issue at all with jury 
So I really think this is something that maybe it happened during the past or it was more of a rumor, but today it definitely does not happen. And we also have the patch one question from Pooja. And she said, hi, Depeche, congrats on such a great GRE score. And she just would like to confirm which are your target schools right now that you have in mind, if you, if you feel comfortable talking about that. Absolutely. So basically, I had always been targeting uh, the M7 schools. And my target school, I have one very dear target school. And my GMAT club username basically uh, says that all. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention this here, but I would say that M7s are the ones that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Plus, there are a couple of other uh, other colleges like Ross, Tuck, uh, Fuqua, Darden. These are the colleges that I'm looking forward to. And I'm applying to like a whole bunch of schools. Uh, let's see where I get admitted from and where I eventually end up going. Sure. Amazing. I, I can say a lot of great stuff about Darden, but we'll not go into that right now. Anyway... <laughs> So the for this transition, Deepesh, just one more question that people are interested in. So we mentioned here both the GMAT and the GRE. So did it cross your mind to take the EA, the executive assessment, as well, or not really? And if not, why? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh all the options that I had, uh, those were like the options for me. If I hadn't scored good in GMAT or GRE in, in my last attempt, I had GMAT Focus Edition, I had GRE New Version, I had EA uh, in my mind. I was like, I leave no stone unturned until unless I get a competitive sc uh, score for the schools that I want to attend. So all of those were on the cards. The only point down that I saw for EA was that not a lot of schools admit uh, accept uh, EA uh, for their full-time MBA. And uh, I just wanted to go for full-time MBA. That's why EA was, I would say, the last option that I was considering. Got it. No, that, that sounds perfect. And something that sounded really important throughout your journey was getting a personal tutor not only to recognize your weaknesses but also to guide you through this process so how important would you say Dipesh, that it is for people to have one tutor even just for some time uh how did it really help to define your gmat journey Absolutely. So uh, the thing is, I would say that uh, when I reached my GMAT tutor, I was shattered into pieces. I wanted someone to just put, put all of those pieces back together and bring me to the my bring me to my original self. And that was the main reason I, I reached out to a personal tutor. So other than the personal tutor, I was also uh, seeking mentorship from like one one professional and for the GMAT and I, like for GMAT and GRE. And I, I would say that that was really important for me to uh, build my confidence. And the mentor and the personal tutor, both of them helped me like uh, get, gain that confidence now i really understand that a lot of people cannot uh, afford like uh, paying for uh, the personal tutors and i do not in any way like mean to imply that not having a personal tutor would be like deterrent for your overall performance what i mean to say is like if you have someone uh, if you have a few friends who you can confide in if 
you have a couple of people who can mentor you that's absolutely fine as well and uh, like learning from what i like learning from this particular experience of my seeking out mentorship and uh, personal tutor i actually have started helping people who are actually applying for like uh, preparing for gmat or gre and applying to the business school so over the past couple of months i have actually helped a couple of people with their gmat preparation as well it's really amazing that you're doing that while you're applying to business school and i think there is a whole spirit of being back when you we are doing all that because we know like everything we have to go through right so you really want to help other people and something that gaurav just asked let me put the question here on the screen <laughs> is what sources Deepesh, did you use uh for your GRE prep sure we bring so, that, but some in some more detail sure so for G GRE quant i did not learn any new concepts all the concepts i was learning for uh gmat i just use those things and for verbal I, i i like while scouring internet i found a couple of uh, uh, like resources for the vocabulary i found this one particular excel somewhere i don't rec recollect where i found that that excel basically gave a list of around 1000 words were there and there was uh, there were two columns one column was in how many different sources like there are Mag magush uh, barons and there are veritas prep and like there are multiple uh, like test preparation companies that offer you vocabulary list, a comprehensive list of vocabulary. So that Excel uh, basically compiled the information from all of these different sources and gave the word in uh, the different types of uh, like test prep companies where the, the like that offered these words in their vocabulary list and a total number of the companies that actually mentioned that this word was important. So there were around seven different test prep companies that were there. So I just put a filter on that Excel. I took, I, and I mugged up everything uh, that was, I, I mugged up all the words that were included in more than two sources. So basically three sources or more. So that particular thing helped me a lot. And uh, then I used uh, GRE flashcards, like I made some flashcards for the vocabulary for the same thing. And there were a couple of YouTube videos, random YouTube videos that I used to watch. Uh, one, like I would say that Greg Matt, uh, his GRE videos are very, very popular. And I would say that that really helped me. And if you want to go for that, it's, it's very affordable as well. You can go for like two months subscription or anything like that. Yeah. Nice. That's great advice. Uh, thank you for that, Dipesh. And something that I see many people confused about when it's time for them to take the tests, be it GMAT, be it any test, is whether they should go for the online version or in person. So throughout this journey of yours, did you have a clear preference for one or the other? Well, uh, I, I actually, all the GMAT examinations that I have, I have taken, I took them uh, at test center. Uh, for the GRE, I could not find an appointment in the city where I am living right now. So I took that one online. Yeah, but I would say... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I think there's some lag. So if I have to say anything about the preference, I would say that I feel more comfortable at test center. And uh, uh, 
if if i had an opportunity i would have taken it at, at a test center the gi exam as well Nice. Yeah, and I definitely agree because I do. I remember that one time when I took the GMAT online, it just froze in right in the middle of the test. And oh my god, I I really don't want to remember that. Never mind. So there is one other question here from Ria: uh, Which sources you used uh, Depeche to practice specifically the read comprehension passages for the jury? Yeah, so there's this uh, book, uh, the Five LB book uh, by Manhattan. I used to solve randomly from there, and I realized that the reading comprehension passages in GRE are way, way, way easier. No, I don't do not want to add so many there because I don't want to just oversimplify things. But yeah, GRE reading comprehension, I found them like relatively easier than the GMAT reading comprehension. Not just easy, they are actually small, so basically uh, that they're basically short. So it's really easy uh, for you to understand the whole each and every word of the passage. So I would say that uh, I, I used five LBs uh, book to practice reading comprehension there. No, that sounds great. And some uh, some questions that we got here also regard your daily routine. So did you employ Depeche any specific strategy to be able to balance your work life and your study life with your family life and everything else happening around you? Yeah. So well, I, I, I want to retread one thing. So I'm basically from India, but I live here in Germany and I live alone here. So I uh, like do not have my old friends and family members over here. And plus there's a time difference of around three and a half or four and a half year, uh, hours based on the month. And uh, because of that, I did not have a lot of interaction with my friends back home. So I, I completely disconnected myself from my Indian friends and family as well as my friends here as well. <coughs> so that was one part of it. And I, I would say that I'm a kind of guy or rather I was a kind of guy who used to party, go partying like twice a week or so. That particular thing completely went off the chart. And I realized that if I have to achieve something, I'll have to just sacrifice that bit of it. So I disconnected myself from the people uh, I stopped going out to the parties. I stopped going out for drinks and dinners. I started just focusing on this. My evenings usually started. Uh, so I, I work a nine to five job. So I started from nine. I end up at five, sometimes five thirty-six. After that, I used to initially I used to take a nap for an hour or two, and then I used to study for a couple of hours at a stretch, like six hours, five hours. Now, given that I live alone, I have uh, I used to uh, cook for myself. I used to clean the apartment myself, so that required a lot of time as well. So I used to do all of these things over the weekend, and uh, I tried to do something like I whenever I used to cook, I used to cook something that could be prepared in like 15-20 minutes and not give enough time to that. Initially, I was being very reckless with my diet as well, but I would say that uh, if given a chance again and if I had to do the same thing again. I would say that uh, like focusing on your diet and lifestyle is as, as much important for you to uh, you know work efficiently as any other aspect of preparation. One thing which I uh, realized 
is like I started to rely a lot of a uh, lot on caffeine. I used to like pull all nighters based on just caffeine and Red Bull, and that is something which I feel like was really really giving me anxiety. So I completely stopped caffeine and uh, Red Bull during my like preparation this earlier this year. So I would say that a healthy lifestyle is definitely important. I used to take walk just outside my house uh, in the evening. So th those used to clear my uh, mind and, you know, just a meditation. Once in a while, I, I used to uh, meditate. But now I have now that applications are going on and I have realized that application time are basically more and more and more uh like strenuous and they require a lot of energy and patience and a lot of other things as well so now i make sure that i uh, like meditate for a couple of minutes a day yeah mm -hmm. no great thank you for sharing that and on those lines we got another question from ria where she asked let me put it on the screen uh if you could also share Dipesh, uh, from which sources specifically you practice the mock jury tests? Okay, so th this is a funny thing. I did not take even a single GRE mock. So my first GRE attempt was, I was expecting it to be uh, on the same lines of my first GMAT attempt. Uh, like without much preparation, I mean, I gave just a couple of hours to GMAT in my first attempt and I scored 680. I was kind of expecting not to score 333 on GMAT, a GRE in the first attempt. So I was like, okay, this is the time for me to gorge myself where I stand and then uh, see whether 710 or 720 on G GMAT versus let's say I scored 320. So that's better than that. So and pick a exam, uh, pick an exam uh, for, for you know preparing re religiously. So I did not take even a single GRE mock examination. Oh, that's really interesting. Got it. So when uh, <laughs> in these twenty last minutes or so that we have to transition to the schools focus part, so you decided the patch that. Let's say your score was enough and transition to like the essay, essays writing and to the application uh, focus part of the journey. When, when you consider that you had a score that was above the average of your target schools on the average, what made you take, make this decision basically? So I would say that uh, when I scored 710 uh, in GMAT in June, I was like, okay, let me just uh, go ahead and enroll for a consultant. And uh, I, that was the moment when I was like, okay, I, I just lowered my expectations for round one. And I was like, okay, I'll just apply to these two schools uh, where the GMAT score actually fits into the bill. And later, and I started applying for those. I started working with my consultant on uh, both of those schools. Later in August, when I scored uh, like 333 GRE score, which is quite competitive, I was like, okay, this is the score that I'm going to apply with. I called up my consultant the first thing after getting my score, and I told her, uh, I told her, see, I want to move away from the schools that uh, I was applying to. I want to still apply to those schools, but I want to, uh, you know, prioritize other schools which are like uh, their deadlines were were in like one week or two weeks. 
so we ended everything uh, else and we started preparing for these uh, applications and we are just like literally one weeks of exam uh, like uh, time for uh, one school at that time so i applied to i was applying to uh, kellogg and ross in round 1 so both of their deadlines uh, were 13th uh, and 14th september and this i'm speaking in <clears throat> like last week of august so from last week of august till 13th uh, of uh, 13th and 14th of september i had just hardly two weeks to write the applications go through the iterations and fill in the applications and everything uh, for that so i was completely dedicated to that and then one week later i had booth uh, and uh, one week later i had mit and a uh, few qua so i applied to all of those like all of those colleges and the applications uh, for each college's application i had just one week so it was quite uh i would say testing time that way but in round 2 i am applying to a few more schools and i i remember how stressing it can be right because you want to select these schools then you want to craft very specific applications to make them look the best they can look so you are with yeah. all that happening and exactly. just right just before we jump to the next question um uh, a quick reminder to everyone we have mba spotlight coming uh coming up in the next 10 days here is the link uh if you guys would like to register it's going to be great going to have a lot of amazing schools there also remember to like the video and subscribe to our channel it's really helpful and going back to what we were talking about the patch So you entered the, this journey of applying to business schools, and what would you say that was the main factor that made you pick your choices for business schools? Well, I'm not going to be all be all political and diplomatic in answering this question. I'll say. I actually started exploring this business schools like it's been over 2 years I would say and for the past 2 years I've just been researching and I have uh, I, I interacted with a lot of the student current students the past students and all the other people so when I say that like uh, I am targeting M7 it does not mean I am targeting all the M7 schools because of their prestige or if, when I say that I'm targeting all the, the like top 15 schools I'm not targeting top 15 schools because I consider those safe schools I have shortlisted these schools based on like my interaction with the current students and the alumni and what I realized is that the culture matters the most to me and when I say culture it means basically the kind of environment you get the kind of learning environment and uh, the post MBA opportunities so I spoke with a lot of uh, people and I realized that a kind of environment which is not very competitive and it is, is very focused on collaboration is something where uh, that I really really want and that kind of environment is something where I can thrive so my uh, like choices my preferences are made mostly on the culture of culture and then academics was second for me because uh, as much as I want to have a like a positive learning environment i also want to have uh, like a good academic setting but given the fact that all of these business schools are top business schools there's no denying that any like any of these business schools will have the best in uh, class uh, you know uh, teach learning capabilities learning methodologies and resources so these two are my main uh, factors 
And I just want to add one thing. If anyone is looking forward to shortlist the business schools, the most important thing for you at this moment should be to talk to the alumni and current students. Like even right now when I am applying to round two, even though I've already had a lot of information, I have collected a lot of information, I'm still connecting with a few people just to understand various perspectives, just to understand why they chose the school they chose. And which would you say, Depeche, that was the most effective channel to reach out to those people? Would it be email, LinkedIn, some other way? So some schools have, uh, what I used to do, I'll tell you, there were two basically three things. One, some of the schools have uh, ambassadors, you can directly reach out to them. You, the, uh, like the schools have uh, the email IDs of, uh, for those. Uh, the second was uh, the second option was the event. So I attended a lot of events over the last couple of months, and I would say a year or so now. And uh, like in each of those sessions, the people conducting those sessions used to share their email addresses. And even if those email addresses are not available anywhere on the website, I used to uh, connect with these people through. Uh, email and what I wanted to know, whatever I wanted to learn from those people, if those people did not have that information handy, they connected me with the right people. So that was the second option. And the third thing was like, there was some specific thing. Like for example, I want, I, I was quite interested in one specific fellowship from one of the target schools. And uh, that the, I could see the names of the people over there, but I could not see the email addresses of the people uh, over there. So what I did was I looked up for those people uh, on LinkedIn and I connected with them. And they were so generous to reciprocate and respond to my request. Nice, that's amazing. And I, I really felt this importance of talking to people as well to learn more about culture. And going into these chats, Dipesh, how did you prepare? So would you take a pre-thought set of questions? For how long would you ask for their time? Like 20 minutes, 30 minutes? How did you set up these calls? So usually I said I used to set up calls for like 30 minutes initially, but most of my calls have run beyond 30 minutes and uh, the other people people on the other side of the call that have all been so generous to extend that. And they were uh, only unless there was something uh, that they could not, you know, extend the call, but they were all very generous. They were, uh, in fact, they were welcoming enough to uh, go on multiple calls over a couple of uh, months. Uh, so initially I used to set up calls for 30 minutes. During these 30 minutes, I had some calls, uh, some questions uh, ready for the, them. The thing that I uh, wanted to know, I, I mean, I connected with them to know the program better. So this is one thing. What I have realized and what I've noticed is why do we want to connect with these people? Do we want to connect just to be in the good books of the school? Or do we want to connect with these people to actually understand the program better? Or do we want to connect with these people to learn from their experiences or do we want to connect with these people to understand uh, basically the academics culture or any specific club student club uh, that the uh, college has so i used to firstly categorize my uh, intention of connecting with people and then afterwards i used to connect with people and have a set of questions ready for them and uh, based on that we usually uh, continued our discussions that's really nice because I, I feel that being in the MBA 
you start having even more clearer that the most precious resource we have is time. So mm -hmm. I think that this preparation aspect is great because when you go into a chat and you are with someone that really, like you said, just want to be in the books that talk to you, it's it's not nice. It feels like you are wasting the other person's time. So it's really good that, as you said, you went on with all these prepared questions, being mindful about wanting to know more about this school. And regarding this community aspect, uh, Depeche, so I know it can be very important for people to apply to schools, being in a very collaborative environment. And you got that mainly from what? Mainly from talking to the students and alumni, also from their website. Where could you really feel that you would go into this school and it would really be the environment you wanted to leave for your next two years? Yeah. So basically, when I connected with people, I, I'll start with the alumni. So mostly the uh, the way to connect with the alumni is through LinkedIn. So there are a couple of schools that I was interested in. And when I reached out to the alumni from those schools, they were like very generous and they were very gracious to accept my request of connecting. And that particular thing in itself just says that, yes, you know what, this particular school builds people to form relationships, not just with uh, their peers, but also with people who are going to be uh, the, the students in future. So that particular kind of sense in itself just gives me the vibe that, okay, this is cool. And the people in this school focus a, a lot on, you know, the culture and people, the respect of the people. So that is one thing. The other thing is when I connect with the uh, current students, I realized like, I remember once I was connecting with, like once I requested to connect with a person and that person was uh, uh, like, I said that, okay, I'm available on this date. Are you available on this date and time? So he was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. We connected and the person was around five minutes late to the call. And then I, I got to know that the person has uh, like, he, he actually got a full-time job and he was moving from his campus to uh, join uh, the company like that he in which he got an admit. And even during this time when he was packing, he took out time to be on a call with me. And our initial call was, our call was set for like uh, 30 minutes initially, but it trained for like more than one hour. And uh, this particular kind of thing where the people are always available to you and where people are always available for you is something which basically just gives you a, a sign of, uh, you know, the a sense of belongingness. So that's one thing. The other thing which really helped me uh, understand this kind of environment is basically when I reached out to a person regarding one question and then that person was like, you know what, I'm not an expert in this topic, but I'll definitely connect you with someone who actually is an expert in this. And within no time, I was connected with that person. Then we had a lot of calls after that just to understand if I fit better in that school or not. So these kind of uh, reciprocation from the current students and alumni is something which is uh, quite representative of the culture of the school. No, that's really nice. I completely agree. And even some advice that sometimes I tell people is if someone doesn't get back to you immediately, feel free to follow up because we tend sometimes to think when we are reaching out, like, hey, if he or she doesn't respond, it's because they don't want to talk. But sometimes it's just because there's so much happening, right, that you just miss the message. So, yeah. yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind. 
And yeah. so from here, Dipesh, uh, your next steps, you were mentioning, so you just applied for some schools in round one, you are applying for some others in round two, and how yeah. do you expect the next few months moving forward to be for you? Well, uh, to be honest, like, uh, I'm unexpectedly calm. I'm, I'm feeling unexpectedly calm. <clears throat> uh, like, the I applied to five schools in round one, and I interviewed at four of them. And uh, I'm just awaiting results from these four schools. And I know uh, in like one month, in less than one month, I'll be uh, hearing the final decision from all of these four schools. But still, I do not feel that anxious. The only thing that I need to plan is like uh, the thing that I need to plan is like how my visa thing is going going to be, how my finances are going to be, how I'm going to manage things at work, how am I going to you know disclose the information to all the other people at my workplace. So all of these things are going on in my mind. But uh, I would say that the final result from these business schools where I've interviewed is not something which is keeping me occupied all the time. And uh, I would say that this is the kind of uh, calmness that I've gained, the calmness and the patience that I've gained through my preparation of GMAT, GRE, and the transitioning from GMAT to GRE. So being calm is very, very, very important. Nice. That's great. Congrats for all the all the work you have been putting on that and really rooting for you, Dipesh. I know we are going to have great news moving forward. And it's the kind of hard situation we want to be in, right? Like getting a lot of offers, having to decide among them, and then having to tell people that. So I'm very glad that you're going over that. And just as one last question. So if you had to give one piece of advice for people who are right now taking the tests and unsure about whether they should stick to, to the GMAT or transition to the jury, what would that be? Um, that would be the same thing that I have I've mentioned just now, but in a different uh, context. The thing is, knowledge is not the all not the only thing which is required to excel in any examination be it gmat gre or any other examination there are several components to that like for example if i have to say it in context of gmat and gre there's knowledge there's uh, uh, time management there's strategy there's uh, uh, calmness of your mind so you need to put like uh, like you need to work on all the components of uh, the preparation not just the knowledge because I uh, was scoring 747, 57, 16 my mock examination on GMAT and I ended up scoring just 710 and even less than that in the earlier attempts. So what I learned is I do not and if I have scored, if I was scoring 750 in my mock examination, it definitely indicates that there is not uh, a huge knowledge gap. Probably there is something. There are some areas of improvement that I have to work on, but it's not something which is going to be a, the deal breaker for me. So I realize that it's the strategy that I have to work on. It's the time management that I have to work on, and it's the mental calmness and patience that I have to work on. I would suggest you guys to not overthink. I know that is like easier said than done, but I would suggest you guys to not overthink uh, the things. If you are making a transition from GMAT to GRE, it's going to be a tough decision and it's going to be a tough journey. So you need to take a calculated risk based on where you are in your preparation right now and where you are, where you basically want to go and where uh, in your application process are you.
So that's the thing that I have to say. No, that's amazing. And despite all the, uh, how hard, despite of how hard this journey is, uh, it's very much worth it. I definitely see it now here being a second year third, and I'm sure that in two years from now, I'm gonna yeah. see you saying you saying the the same thing, Dipesh. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah for answering all these questions. It was really, really helpful, not only for my own learning, but also for everyone that's watching us. So yeah. quick reminder, we have MBA Spotlight coming up on November 28th, 29th. You all feel free to sign up to join that. And any last thoughts, any last comments, Dipesh? Yes, I in fact have one comment, uh, basically two comments. Uh, the first one is there is a myth surrounding GRE that GRE is not preferred or like as compared to GMAT, GRE is not preferred. I mean, while this might be a case in the past, that is not the case anymore in the business schools. So if you are thinking that GRE is not going to take you anywhere, but the, but uh, I mean, if you're thinking that a relatively higher GRE score is not going to take you anywhere, but a lower GMAT score might get you anywhere, that's probably a myth. And uh, if you have a competitive GRE score, obviously there, there are a lot of factors like demographic, demographic uh, situation and all the other places as well, and all the other uh, components of the application as well, work experience and other things. Be assured that GRE uh, versus GMAT is not the uh, you know break or make factor. So if you are better, like if you are scoring uh, 330 on GRE, that's any day better than if you are scoring 720 on GMAT. I mean, this is this is a perspective that I have, and this is what I have got to know from uh, a lot of conversations I've had with people and a lot of research that I've done. Otherwise, yeah, mm -hmm. that's great advice. I 100% agree. And thank you so much once again, Dipesh. Thank you to everyone who is watching us. Uh, if I can be helpful with anything to you, Dipesh, or to, to anyone else, feel free to reach out at any time. And if I don't respond, send follow-ups, like we said. <laughs> Yes, and I will retrip one thing. Like I'll just mention one thing. Uh, mm -hmm. If any person like want to make a switch from GMAT to GRE and has uh, any further question, and those questions are not answered here, you you guys could reach out to me on uh, GMAT Club. Uh, you can text on any of the school chat rooms, and I'll be I, I'm available on all those school chat rooms, so I'll be able to respond to you guys over there. You can even respond to uh, chats, or you can ch uh, like post some messages in the main chat room and I can uh, take the questions from there. Great, amazing. Thank you so much once again, Dipesh. Uh, have a great rest of your day, wherever you all here watching us are and see everyone in NBA Spotlight a few days from now. Bye. Bye everyone, bye-bye.